Hello everyone and welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. Before we get started today, I would like to have a little word from our sponsor, Spotify. So I do apologize for the hiatus I actually took for a little while for this last week. I was in Viola University. I had to study Christian apologetics. So I had my finals this week, this last week, so I was kind of busy on everything. So again, I do apologize for not having my normal uploads. Well... An interesting question was posed to me um, by my pastor, uh, Chad, over at North Bible Church. <clears throat> he asked me, why am I a Christian? And why did, why did I choose Jesus Christ? And what is my testimony? So I thought I'd go ahead and I thought, you know, that's actually a really good question. I never ever covered this topic before whatsoever in my podcast before. I've more been more crude than anything else. And I have um, just, you know... Never really exposed that. Told the thing. Just I've always done commentary stuff like that. So here's here's my testimony. I was raised in a small town called Bishop, California, and in my home, my parents. I was raised with Christian parents, but they were never pushy about their faith in Christianity or Christ to me. They were very. Um, I mean, I went to, I went to church growing up. And I went originally to a Presbyterian church. My mom would take me there, but I was little. And I honestly didn't care much at all for what was being taught. Was I didn't even know what was being taught, to be honest with you. I was My mom would bring a toy airplane, and I'd keep it in her um, purse. And I'd play with that, and I would probably sleep through half the sermons. You know, I remember one Christmas Eve, when we were doing Christmas Eve service, I fell asleep like four different times in the service. True story. So... Um, never really knew anything about Christianity. The, the only time I really came across, um, where I was introduced to Jesus the most was my mom had come up to me and she had a bracelet, you know, the WWJD. I was offered that by my mother. So I, she asked me, what does it mean? I went, what does James, what would James do? I, I'm not sure. She said, what would Jesus do? So that was the first interaction I ever had with with actually being um with uh my parents showing me about christianity i began asking questions around my i don't remember exactly when i think it was my junior year started asking questions to a i would call him my godfather but he's not like actually godfather just kind of a title i gave there uh dave Poole, and i started asking about jesus one night in front of my mom he started answering questions and the craziest part is um, when, when, when I'm being asked about how did you find Jesus, my answer is I didn't find Jesus. I never did. I never sought, truly sought Jesus out. When I asked about questions about Jesus, it wasn't like I was looking to, you know, to, to believe in Jesus. I was just asking generally about Jesus. Now it's interesting, um, because the Bible says, in the book of John, chapter 15, verse 16, it reads, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might do, go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name of, my, of the Father will, be, will give to you. Ask you in my, fa uh, my name, the Father will give to you. I apologize about that, yeah. John 15, 16. So I never, I never actually sought Jesus out at all. In fact, I was, I remember the day I actually, um, encountered Jesus. I was 
asked by a friend of mine, uh, my old, an old friend, not sure if you'd still call me a friend. I still kind of consider him one, but you know, I digress here. Uh, his name was Ken Foster, and he, I knew him to be the kind of Jesus freakazoid over at my school, Bishop Union High School. And he had asked me if I wanted to have a Bible study. He was getting some guy, some people together, and we're going to go have a Bible study over at um, the Bishop uh, uh, Public Park. So me, at that age, junior year of high school, I was like, yeah, sure, why not? I wasn't interested whatsoever in what the Bible taught. I was interested in meeting girls, as anyone in junior and high school with raging hormones kind of feels like. They just they want to meet girls, man. And so I went there with the intention of meeting girls, good-looking girls, and probably scoring a date. When I went there, I discovered that Ken had only gotten one person to go with him. Her name was Karamia Smith. Karamia, a wonderful girl, but to be honest with you, I never found her attractive in the slightest way. So, <laughs> my goodness gracious. Um, so, I was very disappointed. <laughs> See it mildly. I was very disappointed because I, I wanted to meet girls. And I remember Ken had me sit down and he opened up a verse in the Bible. I don't even recall what the verse was or anything. And I was just reading from the Bible. I don't even know what it was I was reading. But he put headphones on my ears and he started playing this Christian music. And him and Karamia uh, started praying. And for some reason, I felt myself like wake up. Now, I wasn't sleeping, obviously, but I, I call it now spiritually, I was spiritually awoken. And this is where the, my, in my testimony, where kind of, the days kind of blend together, if you catch my drift. Um, I was, I was woken up and I knew I wanted God. I knew I wanted him and I, and I knew I wanted to do it. Now, before all this took place. I was actually a Wicca. I was actually that person. I was power hungry. I wanted power. And I wanted to bend energy and do it like the X-Men did. I wanted... I was practicing magic. I was practicing incantations. I was doing all that stuff. That was me. My parents didn't even know. Nobody knew that except for me and a couple of my friends who were into this stuff. So when I was awoken, suddenly I wanted God. And I felt like the devil kept on trying to pull me away from Wicca, trying to, you know, or the devil started pulling me away from God. And, hey, why don't you go back to Wicca? What about the power that you had there? Now, this is a very big point in the story I'm going to bring up here. This is the turning point of my life. I remember that we there was, a, there was an event over at the Riverside Convention Center called Youth Alive. And it was Youth Alive 2006. And I... My church wanted to go. So what we did is we didn't, you know, I went to a Methodist church before this whole Methodist mix-up took place. And we had to figure out how to get money to go because, you know, it wasn't a big church. They didn't have a lot of money to get, you know, I wasn't aware of their financial situation. But my assumption was they were just making enough money to pay their tax, the taxes on the property and uh, pay the electric bill. But anywho, so we threw, it was close to Valentine's Day. So we, uh, the youth group... We all threw a Valentine's dinner, right? We invited our parents, friends. We made a notification in there. Of course, our parents showed up to come and support us. Some, some church members who wanted to support the youth group came and did that. So we had a dinner. We had a candlelit dinner, and we played the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And they would give orders. We'd go into the, the church kitchen. We would The meals were already pre-prepared. We were just heating them up, right? 
And they weren't bad meals either. They are actually pretty good. But anyway, so they paid for them, and we made enough money that I got a full scholarship to go to the Youth Life in Riverside Convention Center. And so I go there, and I remember, again, this was a turning point in my life. I remember very clearly feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit, just going there. And within the first sermon, it still hits me, because I still remember it, because I never felt so much love and peace in my life. And I remember asking God to come into my life. I asked Jesus in. And I felt, physically felt, spiritually felt, I can't even fully describe it, a like the Holy Spirit entering into my heart. I felt it enter my heart, into my very soul. It pierced right through and it felt like a fire, a whirlwind of fire in my heart that destroyed all the anger and hatred and and everything I had in me that was destroying me. I felt peace, love, and hope for the first time in my life. At that moment, I knew I could never go back to the way it was. I remember bending energy around me and whatnot, trying to feel it, and I felt God saying, that's tiny compared to what I can do. I remember seeing in a vision the night sky and the heavens opening up and him showing his magnificence. And it wasn't a punch in the face. It was just in awe, amazement, beauty, peace, love, everything. It was, I can't even really say the words I was feeling and what it was like. That's how powerful it was. So I left youth alive after a couple days of being there i didn't get much sleep to be honest with you we were sharing a bunch of guys were sharing a a hotel room because the the the, there was a hotel right next to riverside convention center and i slept on a chair so you can imagine i wasn't (laughs) wasn't doing too hot um but i remember feeling god telling me to go back to the high school and proclaim his word to the rest of the class, to the rest of the school. And I began to do that. I, I, I did. And it was not always the most fun in the entire world to do this. I had a lot of people telling me to stop preaching. But my whole issue was, how are you supposed to stop preaching something that's bringing, giving you hope and joy in your entire life? Now, fast forwarding a little bit further. I graduated high school in 2007. And I remember very clearly that I wanted to be an actor. <laughs> so I went to Sonora. But over there I came across a lot of people who were into more drugs, like marijuana and other drugs and stuff like that. And it was me trying to, I would still talk about Jesus, I'd still talk about all that, but I kind of got the idea, first encounter with psychedelics. I didn't take anything. I saw the reflections of what other people were doing because I just didn't feel like I wanted to take them. Now, I only went to Sonora in Columbia College for a short amount of time. I then got my dad contacted me and said that there was an interesting, uh, there was a school opportunity in Southern California, in Anaheim, California, called the Disney College Program. And that I might want to look into it. So I watched the video with the whole nine yards. I actually ended up, like, I prayed about it and ended up saying, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Anaheim, do the college program, but afterwards I'm going to come straight back here. Didn't work out. 
I, I went to the college program and stayed in Anaheim for about a decade. Now, when I was there, I've encountered... I've encountered a lot of different people. And one of the things that transformed my life a lot more... I mean, I met my wife over at Disney. That was one of the magical experiences. She was my lead, or if you want to say supervisor, whatever. The show Fantasmic. But that's a love story. And we fell in love with that. And she was Roman Catholic who questioned the Bible. And I, or questioned her faith. And I started questioning hers and, and whatnot. But I, the big thing that started turning me over at Disney... And I remember very clearly where I started becoming... I, I didn't know I was becoming a Christian apologist, but it started happening. I was working um, Fantasyland one night, and I was backstage over at Fantasyland, and there was a lesbian couple who were there. And they were both atheist and lesbian, you know, whatnot. And I was reading my Bible at the table. They they sat down next to me when I was reading my Bible and having lunch. I mean, I'm not I'm not opening my Bible in front of everyone and going, oh, look at this, the Word of God, you know, nothing like that. I was just like a book. I was just opening up, just reading it. And they started asking questions about the Bible. But it was more like, well, how do I say it? It wasn't really questions. It was more like accusations. Like, how can you believe in the Bible when God commits mass genocide? Right? How can you believe in the Bible when God floods the entire world? Don't you think that uh, worshiping a celestial dictator? You know, those kind of things. Not honest questions. It was more, uh, how to say it. Like, um... It was pointless allegations that I couldn't defend. Nowadays, I look at it and go, they were kind of just ridiculous statements that they could have gone from any atheist online. But I didn't know that. And so I started looking into more and more, like, what? okay, why do I believe this book that I'm reading called the Bible? What What is it that I believe about this thing? Because I obviously believe the Bible. God has transformed my life. Why is it that I believe this stuff? Because it was my first real experience dealing with Someone who isn't just a critic of the Bible, but a total cynic. And so I started looking into, why do I believe what I believe? And the first ministry I ever came across was actually Ray Comfort's ministry. He's over in Huntington Beach, California. It's Living Waters Ministry. And it was where they would say, are you a good person? And it was about, they went through the Ten Commandments, um, Romans Road, and going through the whole thing on that. And I remember first time I was on a podcast and someone asked me about it, I couldn't give hardly any information about really what I believed in and topics went way off board. I just didn't feel it was the right way to go. But I remember when I listened to Ray talking about this stuff. And then on top of that, I came across Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses who I worked with. I started asking questions and I really started... and. I had room. I have room to improve. I confess that back in those days, I pushed my faith out there. Like, tried to start conversations when I when no one really wanted to, and that was my fault. I should not have been doing that. Really doing that type of thing. I should have been more letting the conversations flow from that person or the people asking the questions, and then living it out. And you know, I and whatnot. There was a better way of tactfully doing this than the way I did. Is what I'm trying to say. That was my bad. My mistake. But at the same time, I also came across people who who were attacking the Bible and had no idea what they were talking about. So when I... I was ultimately fired from all Disney Company. Uh, they didn't really state exactly what it was that I was terminated for. They said politics, but at the same time I was like, I wasn't sure that was really it. I was more convinced that it was about me preaching my faith of Jesus Christ at the Disneyland Resort. And that's why I was terminated, because people wrote a lot of complaints against me. So, 
There you go. Um, as I continued on and finding other jobs, I've worked so many countless different jobs. You can ask my wife, and it's up to like 15. So, I started to listen, see what other people were believing. And I one thing that really got my podcast started, this particular podcast, if you watched an earlier episode of Cliff Connectly, it's I said that I give them credit. I was perusing through YouTube, and they came across Give Me an Answer. And here's Cliff Connectly preaching the word of God and answering very, very difficult questions. And I remember seeing so many times, because I went to Fullerton College when I was at Disney, and I saw many people who used to be Christian who became atheists or left the church or whatnot. And so what drove me that I felt God calling me, even to this day, like this podcast is really designed to equip you. I'm kind of... I kind of see that I could talk about political, sociological, theological, and practical issues of our day, but it's more or less to equip you with what's going on and how we should attend this and how we should have Jesus Christ in our lives and how why we believe what we believe in. So anyway, so I started seeing these students that were falling away from the Christian faith, and I started asking, like, well, why do you believe what you believe in? And I started seeing that the church... And I'm not trying to hammer at it so much, but at the same time, I, I got to call it out. Parents and the church are not really teaching the word of God in depth. They're kind of just giving the milk out there. And there are times when we need to give the milk, but we have to realize that high schoolers are leaving O2 University where they're engaging with atheist professors who basically teach that if you're a Christian, you're stupid. If you believe that God exists, you're just you're just not intellectually, uh, what is it? intellectually high up there you're, you're not an intellect of high esteem and accord and then they have these doctorates who are up there like if you watch the movie god's not dead we're all sitting around the table like yes we have phds and yes we're professors uh, oh she's a christian oh, don't blame her she you know we're working on her <laughs> she's just too stupid to understand you know that's what we're coming across and so I was like, okay, why do we believe what we believe in? What, what is the evidence for evolution? What's the evidence for no evolution? What's the evidence for creation? What's the evidence for God's existence? I, I began to really get away from, uh, you know, away from just feelings here. I wanted to engage, in, and this also is for you guys, to bring forward spiritual, intellectual, um, and emotional so we can all... So I can equip you guys a lot better here. But I noticed that a lot of people at the same time, like, I remember coming across multiple times where I had, uh, I'm trying to pull things up on here while I'm talking to you. It's a little distracting. Um, so I remember when I was talking about faith to people, about Christianity and about Jesus. I had an atheist ask me before, why should I even trust in Jesus? Why should I even look at your religion? You're all the same. You know, you're all about feelings and whatnot. And I realized something. Why do we believe what we believe in? Beyond I feel this way. Beyond the Mormon who comes out and says, I know I felt something. Feelings can change. I've had feelings about all sorts of stuff. You ever had a time where... I felt good about something like a deal and it turns out to be bad. Or you you think you're in love with somebody, but turns out you're not really in love with them. This is what I'm talking about. I instead, I wanted to approach the Bible in a way that it has pure authority. Because the Bible, regardless of our feelings, is absolutely authoritative. 
Now, I don't want you to just take my word for this because my word doesn't really mean much. But let me read you a few scriptures over here. And this is actually from the King James Version here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for the correction, for the instruction in righteousness. In 2 Peter 1, 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any prof um, private interpretation. When we have John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus comes out and he declares himself that he is the truth, he is the way, and he is the life. No one comes to the Father except by him. You find this over in the book of John, four, uh, chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I was looking at this Bible, and I was looking at about my faith in Jesus. And beyond, it's just another religion. This is authoritative positions. Jesus is not accepting anything less than that. So a little side note of history here. So when I had a bunch of atheists questioning me on my faith and talking about how God could not possibly exist or blah, 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 all these different things, I decided it was interesting. I was listening to Cliff Connectly, and he brought up a really good point. Instead of me lecturing and saying, this is what the Bible says, and the Bible says this, the Bible says this, he started asking questions. Why do you think evolution is true? Why do you think that there is no God? And, okay, that's fine. You don't believe in God. That's perfectly okay. So what is it? What is something that is much more um, reliable than Jesus? And he was asking atheists this, he was asking Jehovah's Witnesses, he was asking Muslims this. And the craziest part is I started hearing their answers. And I and their answers turned into, well, nothing really impressive. They were like, well, I trust myself. Really? You, you trust yourself? They're like, yes, I trust myself. Okay. Are you very reliable? I mean, how reliable? He goes, well, well I'm human. So you're not really reliable. What's the evolution? What is the um, evidence for evolution? And I remember hearing about this, and I was um, when I was working at Disney, and I remember this lesbian couple that I was mentioning earlier told me how evolution was right. And I remember I asked them later on when I started because I was around the company for about five more years after that. I ran into them again. I said, "Okay, what's the evidence that evolution that you're describing one kind to another is real?" And they couldn't answer the question. And what I mean by this is this couple started going, well, God can't exist. Prove to me God exists. And I said, no, no, you got to answer my question. What is the evidence that evolution of kinds is real? What is it? They avoided the question and kept demanding that I prove to them that God exists. I finally said, I can't, I'll be honest here. And I, and I remember hearing Ray Comfort and um, oh, what was it? Yeah, Ray Comfort, even uh, Cliff said this. I think I should also mention, I, I saw this, I read this in, because I, I read Cold Case Christianity for J. Warner Wallace, which really got me into understanding about the resurrection, and about um, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Oh my gosh. And when I asked him that question, I said, no, I need you, to, I, I'll be honest here as a Christian, I can't pull God out of the sky and show him right in front of you. But I threw a curveball, I said, but even if I could, I wouldn't. And they go, because you can't. I go, no, no, not because I can't. But let's say hypothetically I could. Let's say hypothetically, for argument's sake, I could reach my hand up and right above me, reach the veil that separates my world, this world, and heaven. And I could grab God by the hand 
and pull him through and place him right in front of you right now and he could perform a miracle. I don't think I would. And, they, uh, and then, of course, this other, this, uh, um, the gal says, well, why not? I go, because I think you got the same problem the Pharisees do. You don't want to believe. And it doesn't matter what I show you. It doesn't matter if God was standing right in front of you. You'd still deny it. You'd still say it wasn't real. You'd still say, this is ridiculous. There's no possible way. Blah. You would create every excuse in the book. Even though the miracle, God was pulled right in front of you. Just appeared like like teleportation right in front of you. You still wouldn't believe. I said, it's not a God issue you're having with. It's a you issue you're having I remember that was also a big turning point because I, I, I look and, I, and this gal just got really frustrated and told me I was being stupid. But then later on, her girlfriend shows up and says, she's been ranting against you for an hour. I never have seen her this mad before. She goes, I think you made a point. I think she doesn't want God to exist. And I, ta- I remember talking to this girl about this. I said, so it's not that God doesn't exist is she doesn't want God to exist. And that's when I started listening to more and more about, um, when I listened to Ray Comfort and Cliff talk about this, even Jane Warren and Wallace brings this up, the reason people don't want God to exist is because then they'd be held accountable. And it was a major turning point. So I know I, I got on a little bit of a rant here, but I'm kind of giving you guys a little in-depth understanding of why I became a Christian. Now, if if I went off the rails here, um, <laughs> I do apologize for that. But I would like to go ahead and um, ask you guys a few questions. And you guys can answer in the comments below, or you just keep it personal to yourself. I want to ask you this. If you're a Christian, why do you believe in Jesus? Why is it that you trust in him? And if you don't believe in Jesus, why do you not believe in Jesus? What would you need to believe? What is it, if you're not a believer, ask yourself the honest question. What would you need in order to believe in God, in Jesus Christ? And let's be, and, and you can, I would say, be very honest with yourself. Is it because you don't want him to exist? Or is it because you just haven't seen enough evidence? Now, here's my other question for you believers. What do you struggle with? What in life do you have a hard time with? You know, how about you share it with me? Send in the comments. Say what you're struggling with. Let's put it out there. After all, we can't fix problems unless we know what they are. And we can talk about them. It's okay. That's for why you're here. I mean, I would absolutely love to hear from you. I, When you come here, and you can even contact me, nextgenerationsaints at gmail.com. Go ahead and send an email to me. It's all one word, nextgenerationsaints.com. No capitals, no spaces. Nextgenerationsaints at gmail.com. Send it to me. Talk to me. You know, I'd love to hear from y'all. Let me know. Let me know what, why you believe, why you don't believe. Tell, tell me what you do need to believe in Jesus and what you're struggling with. You know, we, 
we can share everything together. And this is not going to be me condemning anybody. And you can bring your burdens over here. That's fine. I'm not going to judge you and call you something bad. We're here to help sharpen each other, to help each other's out, to bear each other's um, burdens in life. So that's what I kind of want you guys to do if you feel comfortable doing that. So until next time we meet again, may God richly bless you all, my dearly beloved.